0: Hi, and welcome to the Art Teacher Mentor Podcast, where we explore the intersection of teaching, art, and personal growth in and out of the classroom. Join me, Lauren Nolte, as I share insights, strategies, and inspiration to empower art educators and nurture creativity in students. Each episode, we delve into topics such as curriculum development, teaching techniques, fostering artistic expression, and finding balance between teaching and personal artistry. Whether you're an experienced art teacher or just starting your journey, this podcast serves as your mentor and cheerleader. Hey everybody, it's Lauren Nolte and welcome back to another episode of Art Teacher Mentor. Today I'm going to chat about grid portraiture and it's something I just started with my kids already this school year and I do it two different ways. I teach an introduction to art class that is sixth grader included, and then I have a class that is intermediate, so it's seventh and eighth grade only. And so what I do is I do small grid activities and intro to teach the concept and skill, so when they have me in intermediate, we can b- bump it up a little bit. I like to teach gridding right off the bat, because it allows students to see that when they have these aids, they can really draw um, just following these contour lines. And so I think it's a skill building um, project as well as that confidence booster that my students need um, early on. It teaches them to slow down and see each square as its own little canvas and build it up from there. So I know for me, I even get overwhelmed sometimes when I'm creating art. And so I have to break it down in little bite-sized pieces. And so I teach the students that um, this is a way to draw in a slower format and it will all come together in the end. You just have to trust the process. There are so many ways to create a grid and draw from a grid. I'm gonna talk about a few ways today And uh, give you a few options because everyone's classroom needs and student needs are different. And so I think this will be a good stepping stone and starting place for you. If you have students who are maybe a bit younger or need extra aid, you can um, take a photograph of anything and overlay a grid on top of it using your computer. Um, You can use... PowerPoint or there are even apps online that have grids and then you put your picture in it and then it will upload and you can print that picture off. Start with an image that seems a little easier that's nothing but contour lines um, that it doesn't have any values and then maybe have an option where they have values and just slowly build up their skills if you think your students need that. Some of them Don't need that, and you can skip to a little bit more advanced um, uh, picture options. So you want to think about your picture size. How large do you want your students to draw? If you want their paper to be an eight and a half by 12 inch regular size paper, then you have to create a photograph for them with a grid that is a 4 by 6, so it's a little smaller. My students uh, who just created the portraits, we used a larger paper and we did one inch squares and then we doubled that. So um, our squares were one inch on an eight and a half by 12 so that it was a 16 by 24. I showed my students how to use a ruler and grid the top and the bottom. Sorry, I showed them how to make dashes at the top and the bottom and then the sides and then we connected our lines and that's how we made our grid. I wanted my students to just have that skill, and I knew the majority of them could do that. Um, For a few of the students that I felt just struggled uh, a little bit, I knew it, um, they needed a little aid, I would take their image and I printed off a grid that I drew and on just a plain uh, copy paper. And then I ran uh, my students' photos in the copy paper, and then the grid printed on top of it. I did the grid lightly in pencil. Well, I did it in pencil so that way it printed lightly over the student's portrait and you could still see it. Um, you can also just take their portrait and upload it in um, the computer and do it that way. Uh, I already just was sitting in my room and I did it with a pencil. I'm kind of analog sometimes. But um, either way works. Another option if you are... Um, in the classroom and you don't have a way to do anything with printing uh, a grid, then uh, you can use sheet protectors and use a thin Sharpie or an ink pen and do a grid on the sheet protectors and slide their paper inside that. And that will be a grid as well. I did use that for one student who um, didn't want to draw on her picture. So if your students bring in photographs that you might not be able to print out or make copies of um, and that sort of thing, and they bring in their own images, then you can use something like a sheet protector. Once you have your paper size that is in good ratio with your photograph you're using and the photograph you're using is gridded to proportion of the large paper and they are numbered, then you're ready to uh, begin gridding. And I just wanna reiterate, by proportion, I mean if you are using a paper, or sorry, a photo that is eight by 12 and you grid it off at one inches, and you would want to make your um, 16 by 24, two inches. Or say you want to do a smaller paper um, at like four by six or five by seven, do it at half inches and then double the other paper to one inch. So you're just doubling the size each time. And that is what I mean by the ratio and the proportion. One thing while gritting larger paper that I want to mention is uh, you need a long ruler or a yardstick and I don't have a yardstick at all in my classroom which is kind of sad so I need to get some like t levels um, or something like that to grid uh, with my students better so we don't have to move the ruler all the way down because we did have a few issues where the grid was just not accurate enough it was good enough but it wasn't like perfect and so I'm just sharing that with you all because um, that was the hiccup that I experienced in making this with the kids. And they worked with it. They fixed it. They weren't too off to where it looked um, disfigured or disproportionate. But it was enough to kind of be a little, little bit extra that we just didn't need to deal with, you know. Um, but it definitely gets some type of larger, longer uh, ruler or yardstick. And real quick, I said T-level, but I meant a T-square. And those are um, about, let's see, 20-something 20, 20 dollars on Amazon. So, they're kind of expensive. So, I wouldn't probably recommend getting a T-square um, if you don't have them. Just because I think that price is pretty high. Um, unless you want to invest in something like that. So, I would stick with um, just a yardstick. On Amazon, they have a pack of 24 39 inch wood meter sticks uh, yardsticks um, for 46.99 so like 50 bucks for a pack of 24 so that is much much more economical just wanted to throw that in there once you have Gritted both your reference photo and your paper and you've numbered them you're ready to start gridding so students will need their pencil and they will, there's a couple of strategies that you can use to, to start. One thing is they can just start at the top left corner at 1-1 or 1-A or whatever you want to name it. And go from that one all the way across the top. Like you're reading a book and they go to 2 and A, B, C, D, or you know, two two three three that sort of thing. All the way across. And like they're almost writing or reading just from top to bottom. That's one way I like to do it. Just because the students won't accidentally skip. But one thing they love to do sometimes, and I like to do too, is I wanna draw the main parts first. And I don't like, you know, reading it like a book, so to speak. So I have seen online where people will cut out a little piece of paper, like the size of your hand, depending on the grid, right? But around the size of your hand and then they'll cut a little square in the same ratio. um, So like an inch or two inches or whatever. And they will use that little window and put over each segment, each square they're drawing. So if they're at one, three, they can go to that square and cover just that square and then go to their reference and copy what's in that. And that helps them kind of block out all the stuff around them. Because students and even myself and, you know, many of us just want to, our brains just want to make sense of everything and fill it all in. And sometimes we can do that without really thinking and then it, the, the drawing can get off. And I have never used this. This is something I've just kind of learned about just looking online. So um, I think I'm going to try that next time. I've never done it before. I mean, at least I don't think I have. I really don't. Um, I just always tell them to cover it with their hands. (laughs) But I think a little piece of paper might help them. Um, Also, what else was I going to say? Oh, another strategy. That's what I was going to say is um, you could have them turn both the reference image and their drawing uh, grid upside down. And I do that a lot for students who are struggling. And I talk to them about don't look at this as like your portrait or your image that you're drawing, whatever you're gridding look at it as just lines and shapes and um, negative space and positive space and look at that and then recreate that and then the image will come together at the end but you just need to you know focus on that particular square at a time and um, I think that's that's really helpful and if you've never read that book um, it's like a book up so old. I probably need to read it again because there's a lot of great. No, not probably. I do need to read it again. Um, My son has it. It's called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And a lot of these little tips are from in that book where you draw upside down and things like that. Um, So if you've never uh, read that book or heard about that book, um, it's called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And it's by Betty Edwards and she just gives you little tips on drawing, enveloping drawing, and drawing upside down is one of those tips. If you're using charcoal paper, you will want to use some type of carbon paper to transfer the image over. You can buy this carbon paper anywhere. You can get it in various sizes. And if it's not large enough, you can just lay, like most of us did like two or three sheets on our bigger paper and you'll put the shiny side down, you'll put their drawing on top of it. And then I either give them a red ink pen if they are not going to use that, um, Big paper is a drawing for something else later so that we can see their lines or if they do want to, like maybe add oil pastel or ink or something like that to their beginning sketch then we'll just use pencil and just press down a little harder and they start the top and fill in all the lines and so when they lift it off they have a nice outline to start with on their um, charcoal paper we also tape with just plain clear tape the um, final paper on the table, then we take a little piece of tape for the carbon paper, and then we put the sketch paper on the very top, and just use a couple pieces of tape just to hold it in place uh, while you're transferring, because if you don't, the kids will slide it around and move it around. So make sure there's some type of tape that won't tear your papers. When my students grid, I make sure they use either a mechanical pencil or a number two pencil, a wooden one, um, to sketch because and do it lightly so that way they can erase their lines. Uh, especially if they are going to use this paper as their final or if they're going to use a ebony pencil and fill it in or if they're going to use sharpie or marker or oil pastel. So that way the pencil lines don't show through. But what we did in my class recently is some have the option to do the ebony pencil. That's the one you see on my Instagram. And then the other students, um, a couple other students did charcoal. And so we had to transfer um, their portrait on charcoal paper. When we use our charcoal um, for the portrait, um, I could make a whole other episode about this, but I will just go ahead and mention it since we're talking about it, is we still use our grid um, to look at the different positive and negative shapes. and We have um, the small photo of it, and then we'll use that to um, add in our values. And we're we're still not looking at the portrait as a face, but we're looking at each individual square and filling it in based off the values with that charcoal. And we begin it with vine charcoal. And then we use the kneaded eraser where, you know, where we need to lift off. And then we'll use like a general's compressed charcoal pencil to do like darker details. At the end, if we have any areas that really need more lightness that just aren't showing up, we use, um gel pens or like Prismacolor white pencils to add like wider areas. Um, and I have a Tombow, a mono line eraser that's really small that I'll give the kids to pull out hair. Um, but usually the kneaded eraser does a great job on that. So overall, um, I love teaching gridding. Um, it really teaches the students spatial awareness. Um, it relieves some anxieties for them, uh, they can take it in bite-sized pieces and um, it helps develop their observational skills and drawing abilities. Um, But I will say that um, it's something they need to learn early on so that way they don't have to rely on that as they go off into upper level art classes or in college. I think it's something they definitely need to master but they don't need to always rely on over time. With that said, Use gridding as a tool for your students with special needs. Um, Last year, we did a still life in my intro class, and um, we uh, had a draw-through observation looking at the still life. And I had a few students that were just struggling, really, really struggling. So I took photographs of the still life, and then I printed them off, and I gridded it for them. And I gridded their paper for them. So I had all of it done for them. And then their job was to copy what was in that um, square and and transfer it to the, the grid paper. And they went from being basically unable to draw a circle or a fruit or whatever this still left. We had to grain things. To actually having a full work. And I, I feel like that was probably one of my top teaching moments for me because I took something that seemed almost I don't know the word I'm looking for right now but it just didn't seem accessible or or even able for that student and not really to me but to him and just you know it just gave him an opportunity and the other boys too but I'm thinking one specifically And, um, then we used value to, um, shade these, these still lifes. And so he just looked at the photo and shaded it within his squares. And y'all, like I said, it just really, it just made it for me. It was one of those moments. If you don't have the ability to do a, long week project you can do small little projects or even something in sketchbooks where you give them a um, handout that has uh, an image with a grid on it and then a blank grid they're all over teachers pay teachers they're all over the internet you don't have to buy them you can get them for free but again you can really make your own very easily and um, I would encourage y'all to just have that especially it would be a great sub plan too to have a few options of, um, of gridding. Last but not least, um, there you can also, I did, I do this for my classes is, um, I have a Google slide and it has various grid sizes on it and I send it to my students through, um, Google drive and they can go on there and make a copy of it. And so when they're working on their um independent work or we're doing an assignment and they want to find an image and they want to use the grid method, then they can take their image from Unsplash or Pixabay or wherever they find it, something from home that they took, and they can put their own photo reference underneath one of the grids that fit and then open up their sketchbook and make a grid in that proportion, and draw that way as well. So it makes it um, student-led as well, where they can choose their own images. I'm not a huge fan of making a bunch of pre-planned, pre-made grids. That's why I like them for sub-lessons, or just like that initial teaching. But I like the students to find their own images, and know how to place it in a grid, just as much as creating one, or drawing one. This has been a fun subject for me to talk about. And if you enjoyed it, please let me know. Um, send me a message on Instagram, art teacher Mentor, And you can also leave me a review. Um, you can share it with your other teacher friends um, and just get the word out. Also, send me feedback on maybe something that I left out. Or um, a topic you'd like me to discuss in the future. Um, I really like to use this podcast as a tool for my own reflection as um, I'm always learning and growing. And like I said before, I want to learn from you guys as well. So I hope you have a wonderful day, enjoy your week at school, and I will talk to y'all later. Bye. <music>